All right, welcome to all of you at all of our locations. We are so glad that you're joining us. We are in week five of a 40-day experience in which we're talking about um, how we can experience more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Rather than being afraid of the Holy Spirit or keeping the Holy Spirit at at a polite distance, we are learning together how we can grow in our experience of the Spirit. So we're going through a book that I've written called More, and we have a number of of more small groups that are interacting with this material. Now, now, um, now this this whole thing about the Holy Spirit, we're learning about this so that the Holy Spirit, we can experience the Spirit, not as some weird occasional thing, but rather as a normal part of life. Experiencing the Spirit is normal Christianity. The the Bible encourages us to cultivate a close personal relationship with the Spirit. And so in this series, we're talking very practically about how that can happen in our lives. We've talked, so far we've talked about how we can experience the Spirit's love and and how we can experience the Spirit's voice and then how we can release, um, uh, when the Spirit speaks to us about someone else, we can release that to them. We've talked about those things. Well, during um, the final two weeks of this this series, we're going to focus, we're going to talk together about how we can experience the Spirit's power. Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now that word power is the Greek word dunamis, from which is derived our word dynamite. Jesus is is not talking hypotheticals here. He is talking about reality. He is talking about how his followers will experience the power of the Holy Spirit in very real ways. So when you look at at how the word dunamis is used in the book of Acts, um, especially in the book of Acts, you realize that often it is associated with a particular phenomenon, and that phenomenon is healing. One of the ways the Spirit manifests his power in our lives is through the miracle and the ministry of healing. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus officially began his public ministry by walking into a synagogue where people had gathered for worship and teaching. And, and, he, and, and, and he picked up the scroll of Isaiah and he read his job description. This is, what he, this is what he read. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to pr- pr- proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is an incredible job description, right? That's an incredible description of the ministry of Jesus, bringing healing and and restoration and freedom and life to people. And notice how this ministry happens. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me to do these things. Jesus' healing ministry happened through the Holy Spirit. So then we see in the next few chapters, Jesus doing this very thing. He's healing people of various diseases and and conditions. And and then in Luke chapter 9, he sends out the 12 apostles to participate in this ministry as well. Now, I doubt if any of us have any real struggle with the idea that Jesus healed people um, or that the apostles healed people, that God used the apostles to heal people. What's fascinating, what's absolutely fascinating, I think, is what happens in the very next chapter in Luke. This is where it gets really interesting, Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bible or your iPad or smartphone or whatever, you can turn there if you want, Luke chapter 10. I want us to notice what happens in verse 1. After this, 
the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Jumping down to verse 9, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now think about what, what, what this is saying, what, what, what this is saying here. Jesus appointed 72 others to participate in this ministry of healing. We don't even know their names. They are not apostles. They are ordinary folks like you and me. And Jesus sends them out to heal the sick. Clearly, Jesus didn't intend for this ministry of healing to be kept to himself and the apostles. Clearly, it is something he intended his followers to participate in. And so then we see this played out further in the book of Acts with ordinary guys like Stephen and Philip involved in this ministry. And in Galatians 3, Jesus, uh, Paul talks about how miracles are happening in that church. So, so really, here's the natural and, and I realize a fairly radical conclusion to which these scriptures lead us. Jesus delegates his healing ministry to us. Jesus delegates his healing ministry to us. We as Christ followers are to continue this ministry. And I know this is a radical concept. I mean, I know it's a radical concept. Imagine, imagine you're at a Bronco game watching from the sidelines and all of a sudden Peyton waves you over, you. He waves you over and he hands you the ball and he says, just, just say Omaha. You know, what, what if he did that? I mean, that would never happen, right? That would never happen. Peyton Manning or LeBron James or Troy Tulowitzki, none of these powerful gifted athletes are even remotely interested in sharing the game with the average person in the stands, but not Jesus, not Jesus. He invites us to participate in this powerful ministry of the Spirit, to pray for the sick, to see the healing power of the Spirit released in people's lives. Okay, so what does that look like? How can ordinary people like you and me experience the ministry of the Spirit in this way? Well, in order to answer that question, I want us to look a bit, a bit deeper into this passage in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus gives instructions for these 72 followers. And from these instructions, we see three principles, three practical ways each one of us here can grow in this ministry of the Spirit. Principle number one, look for open doors. Look for open doors. It's fascinating to notice what Jesus tells these followers to do when they get to a town. Look at what he says, verse 5. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. And if, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on him or on them. What Jesus is encouraging his followers to do when they come into a community is to make a relational connection. To, to find what he refers to as a person of peace. He's talking about finding someone whose heart is open. And it is in that relational context that he then encourages them to heal the sick. 
We all have relational, a relational world in which we, that, that we exist in. The, the fellow students in the classes that we attend. The neighbors who live next door. Our roommates, our family, the people we work alongside. The, 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 the people in our book club or, or, the, or the parents sitting beside us at our child's soccer match. And in, and in this relational world, there are people who are hurting physically. Lots of them. They're hurting physically. There, there are various needs for healing all around us. I believe Jesus is inviting us to open our eyes to see those needs through God's eyes. To see these needs as opportunities to minister in prayer to people. One of the things that Jesus highlights in Luke 10, and, and I want all of us to understand, is that this ministry of healing prayer, it can be a normal part of our everyday lives. I'm not talking about something weird and, and flashy. It's, I'm talking about this, and I think Jesus uh, is articulating this as well. This can be a normal part of our everyday lives. What is, here's the question. What is our instinctive response when someone around us is sick? We may encourage them to get some rest. We may encourage them to take medicine, which is fine, which is fine. But do we ever stop and just pray for them? To pray for their healing. And if not, why not? Why not? If we believe God heals and that he has delegated this ministry to us, why not pray for those around us who are sick? A couple of months ago, Pastor Bruce and I were in the blue mug and, and we saw someone from our church, from the church here, and we visited just a little bit. And, and as we were talking, I noticed that his daughter was in a stroller and she was laying down. Um, and, and, and the dad explained that she was not feeling well. In fact, they were very concerned because she had been throwing up for several days and the, and the doctor they had taken her to um, didn't know what was going on. Now, a typical response would have been, man, I am so sorry to hear that. I'll pray for you. And then I may or may not pray for them, depending on whether I remember to later, right? But there's another response that any of us, any of us could have in that situation, in that moment. Pray for her right then, which is what we did. I said, hey, would it be, would it be okay if we prayed for you right now, if we prayed right now for your daughter? And the dad said, Sure. So right there in this coffee shop, Bruce and I laid hands on their three-year-old daughter and we didn't make a big show of this at all. It was just people around probably wouldn't even know what was going on other than conversation, but we just laid our, hand, laid our hands gently upon her and asked Jesus to heal her. It was a simple prayer, maybe took two or three minutes and then we went on our way. A few weeks later, we heard kind of an update. We found out that she didn't throw up again after that prayer time. And a few days later, they went to another doctor who knew exactly what was going on. And he, gave her a, he or she gave her a stronger probiotic, and she, has been, she is now completely well. In fact, the dad emailed me, and he said that soon after that, he was reading to his daughter a Bible story about Jesus healing a little girl. And his three-year-old daughter said, Jesus made me better. Jesus healed me and my heart. I mean, what a great lesson to learn as a three-year-old. <laughs> well, what a great lesson really for all of us. When people around us are sick, we can pray for them right then, asking God to touch them. 
Not long ago, a mother stopped by our house to pick up her six-year-old son who had been playing with my son Joshua, and, and I noticed she just didn't look like she was feeling well, and so I asked if she was okay, and, and she's, she told me her stomach hurt. And she, she didn't know what was going on, really, um, with, with her stomach. And she's had a pretty rough life in many, many respects. She doesn't attend here or anything, but she's just had a pretty rough life. And, and when I heard that she wasn't feeling well, I asked her, can I, can I pray for you? Absolutely, she said. And so I took a moment and I, I just prayed for Jesus to touch her stomach. It took about 30 seconds. When I was done, she gave me this, this hug. She would not let go. And, and um, you know, <laughs> I haven't talked to her since to even know if she's doing better. But, you know, I, I just, I, I, I do know that no matter, no matter what happened regarding her stomach, she felt loved. She felt loved. I could tell. Are our eyes open to see the hurting people around us and to pray for healing for them? Who knows what God might do as a result of that? Who knows? Okay, so um, look for open doors. Second principle that can help us grow in the, in the Spirit's ministry of healing is this. Ask God to heal the sick. <laughs> Ask God to heal the sick. This is kind of a no-brainer, but let me, let me unpack this because it is important. As the disciples were sent out in Luke chapter 10, he tells them to heal the sick. I mean, that, that's not something that any of us can do in our own power, Right? I mean, the only way, the only way they were going to be able to experience this ministry of the Spirit is if they ask boldly for God's power, right? To be at work in and through them and, and for Him to heal the sick. This wasn't about them healing the sick, it was about the power of God, the power of the Spirit healing the sick. And the same thing is true for us. If we want to see people healed, in the name of Jesus, it is important that we pray and we ask God to do this. The more specific we can be, the better. You know, we, we pray specifically for vomiting to stop. We pray specifically for back pain to, to go away. We are asking God to heal this person. Now, I know, I know, I, I know that at one level, this is, again, this is sort of a no-brainer. Well, of course we have to ask, right? Uh, but but here, here's the critical question. Do we? Do we ask do we regularly pray for healing when someone around us is sick? I'm not asking if we believe God can heal. I'm asking if we're actually asking him to do so. It's very different. <laughs> Those are different things. Believing that he can and asking him to do so. James says in James 4 verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. Could it be that one of the reasons we don't see more healings happen around us is because we don't ask God to heal that often? Why is that? I remember meeting with a group of Christian leaders and we had just received word that, that one of our group members was diagnosed with some serious medical condition and so we were like kind of concerned. And so one of the leaders in the group was asked to pray for this person. And, and, and so he prayed for the doctors and, and he prayed for the family and he prayed for strength and he prayed for peace, all of which is great. All of that is great. But for whatever reason, he didn't actually pray for healing. 
He didn't pray that God would heal this person. You could tell he was struggling with the words. He was struggling with the words, just not feeling comfortable to pray directly for healing. And I'm guessing that a lot of us find ourselves in that position. We believe God can heal, but we have a hard time specifically asking God to heal someone. Why is that? Here's the reason, I think. I think part of this, a big part of this comes from fear. What if nothing happens? What if nothing happens? But let me just ask, since when is that to be a driving force in our praying? Since when do we only pray for things we are certain God will do? Much of prayer is asking God to do things that we don't know for sure if he will do it. But we ask, right? In Luke 11, Jesus commanded us to ask, seek, and knock. I mean, that, that is the posture of prayer, isn't it? <laughs> ask, seek, knock. That's what prayer is. So why not with healing prayer? We don't know for sure he's, he's going to choose to heal this person, but we can still earnestly ask him to do so. In his excellent book, Authority to Heal, Ken Blue tells about meeting um, a seminary student who had suffered a stroke and was paralyzed on the left side of his body. And when, when Ken Blue offered to pray for him, said, can I pray for you? This young man named Richard thanked him, but politely declined, explaining that he had grown closer to God in the, in the paralysis and, and Ken agreed that God had, had indeed used this, but, he, but Ken suggested that God might also want to bring value out of healing him. And Richard continued to decline any prayer, saying, no, I, I don't want to miss out on anything God might want to teach me in this. Well, then Ken Blue asked a very interesting question. He said, do you go to physical therapy to improve your condition? The young man said, of course. To which Ken replied, why would you accept improvement for your condition through therapy, but not through prayer? It's a great question. And after a long pause, he, he, kinda, he shrugged his one good shoulder and he said, I don't know. What an interesting response. I mean, this young man obviously thought it was God's will for him to get better because he was going to therapy to improve his condition. But he refused to receive healing prayer for that condition. I mean, why not, if, you, if you're going to therapy to get better, why not also receive healing prayer to improve, to ask God to improve that condition? Now, I'm not saying we don't go to doctors and take medicine. I'm not saying that at all. My point is, why do we instinctively turn to medicine to get well, but we hesitate to ask God to make us well? Why not both? Why not both? See, what we typically do is wait until we have tried everything, medically speaking. <laughs> and then if that doesn't work, all that doesn't work, then we're desperate enough to ask for healing. Again, why don't we do both immediately? When we're struggling with some condition, why don't we ask God to heal? Yeah, I'm guessing that many of us here take medication 
for acid reflux, for migraines, for insomnia, for high blood pressure, for any number of conditions. And here's my question. Have you ever asked someone to pray for you for healing for that? Have you ever asked someone to pray for you for healing for that condition? And if not, why not? Do do we not believe that God can heal that? Why are we so hesitant to ask people to pray for that? Now, let me mention that in, in my experience, and I think this reflects scripture as well, healing rarely happens when we're praying for it for ourselves. The biblical pattern is to receive healing prayer from someone else, to have someone else pray for us. And maybe that's why we hesitate to ask. It's pride. It's pride. We don't like being needy. We don't like being dependent upon others. But I think that's the point. God wants us to be interdependent, to need each other. And healing prayer is a great example of that. I need you to pray for me. I need someone. I'm sick. I need someone to pray for me. I can't do this on my own. Now, you may not realize it, but but every Sunday afternoon, we've been doing this for years, we have a team of people that meet here at 4 o'clock, from 4 to 6 o'clock. It's called Soaking Prayer. We put it in the bulletin periodically, but you you can sign up. You can call the church office and sign up for a 4 o'clock slot or a 5 o'clock slot. And that team of people will pray for you for that entire hour. They will pray for you for healing. They'll do listening prayer, all that stuff, but they're praying for you. And here's what's fascinating to me. We often have Sundays, a number of Sundays, where no one signs up. No one signs up to receive an hour of healing prayer. Here's another thing I notice. Every week during our worship time, we have intercessors around the room who love to pray for healing. Later on the service, you know, they're available, all that stuff, at all of our services. They love to pray for healing. Often, we, often, this is often, we have an entire weekend go by, all of our services, and no one goes up to any one of those people and asks for prayer. We have a lot of weekends where no one goes up to ask for prayer. Now, either everyone in our congregation is perfectly well, or we do have physical struggles, but we choose to not ask for prayer about those things. God wants us to ask and to keep asking. I think sometimes we give up too soon. We prayed once and nothing happens. I don't understand how prayer works, but I do know that sometimes we have to persevere in prayer in order to experience healing. And so one of the best ways to grow in this ministry to others is to ask. And one of the best ways to experience this ourselves is to ask others to pray for us, to humble ourselves and ask someone else to pray for us. Okay, so we've talked about looking for open doors, principle number one, talked about asking Asking God to heal. Let me mention one more critical principle that can help us grow in our experience of of healing, this ministry of healing, and that is to believe. To believe. 
Faith is an absolutely essential aspect of any experience of healing. Jesus would often say to people, according to your faith, will it be done to you? He often healed in response to faith. But what exactly does that faith look like? I spent a lot of time in my book more um, talking about this, so you can, you can check it out, check that out later, because this is a really important point. I don't have time to go into it in, in great detail here, but it's a very important point. But I do want to say here, I will say that this area of faith, as it relates to healing, is an area that I think causes a ton and has caused a ton of damage in the body of Christ. There are, there are those who, if someone isn't healed, will say to that person, you just didn't have enough faith. And what happens is that we put pressure on ourselves as if healing depends upon us. And we're going to psych ourselves up here with faith and, you know, you know all that stuff. And so we act like the, the, the power to heal ultimately depends upon us when it doesn't. Healing is God's work. It's God's work. Now, having said all that, it is still clear in Scripture that faith is important. It is very clear. Faith is important. But what kind of faith I find it absolutely fascinating that in Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Mountains can move if we have faith, but notice Jesus' emphasis in that passage. A mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. Jesus is not emphasizing the quantity of our faith. His emphasis is on the quality of our faith, the object of our faith. Faith is is not this hyped up, psyching ourselves up sort of experience. No, faith is simple trust in our Heavenly Father. Believing that he can heal and then leaving the results to him. That's faith. Anytime we're praying for healing for someone, I think we need to ask ourselves two critical questions. One, do I believe that God can do this? Do I believe that God can do this? And two, do I believe that God is loving? Do I believe that God is loving? See, if our soul is rooted in these two things, we are ready to pray for healing. See, we we have the faith to believe that he can heal this person. And we have the faith to continue to trust him if he doesn't choose to heal that person. Both of those things are absolutely critical. They're critically important. If if we only think that faith is is this bold assurance that God is going to heal, and I'm certain God's going to heal, if we think Faith is just this bold assurance that God will heal. What happens when the person is not healed? Our faith, listen, very, this is so important. Our faith must be big enough for both of those realities. It has got to be big enough for both of those realities. Those times when God heals and those times when he chooses not to. No matter what happens, we are still trusting him. I sometimes encounter people who have this name it, claim it approach to healing who believe that God will heal anyone they pray for. 
And while, while I love that bold faith, I love that bold faith, my question is, is their faith big enough to handle it if God chooses not to heal? Because that requires a deeper faith. That requires a deeper level of faith. A faith that believes God can heal and that continues to trust God if he chooses not to heal. That's a way bigger faith (laughs) than those who claim they have this incredible faith. In Luke 10, something really fascinating happens when the disciples return after going out to heal this healing prayer experience. They're all excited because of the fruit they've seen. So we read in verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However... Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What an interesting response. Jesus acknowledges that healing and deliverance that they, that they have participated in, he acknowledges that. But then, right at the end, he recalibrates their souls, doesn't he? He recalibrates their souls by reminding them that the ultimate reason to rejoice is that their names are written in heaven. One day in heaven, we will be completely free from the struggles and the pain of of this planet. The the, the kingdom of Jesus will be fully manifest and there will be no more disease and and sin and pain and all that stuff. You know, but, but, but until then, until heaven, that kingdom is only partially manifest which is why sometimes, God, we see people healed. The kingdom's here. And sometimes, they're not healed. Ah, we're not there yet. It's the now and the not yet of the kingdom. See, our our ultimate hope, our ultimate hope is not in healing in this life. It's in God himself and the promise of heaven. So So until then, what do we do? We look for opportunities, we ask for healing, and we believe both in the power of God and the love of God. And then then we leave the rest in his hands. Let me me share two stories from our church family. One is about a dear woman in our church who about nine years ago, she took some over-the-counter medication for something, just a normal kind of thing any of us experience, but her nervous system had a horrible reaction to it. Her muscles seized up, and they have never stopped seizing up. She has been in constant pain for the last nine years. The doctors can't figure out how to help her. Dozens and dozens of people from Christ community and and other places as well have earnestly prayed for her healing, Some have fasted on her behalf, asking God to intervene. And at this point, there has been no or little improvement, virtually none. I don't understand. I don't understand why God is choosing to allow this suffering. It breaks my heart and so many of us who know her. I do know that somehow he has a bigger kingdom 
purpose in this beyond what we can see. I know that. So what do we do? We continue to love her and we continue to pray for healing and we trust that God is working some purpose beyond our ability to understand. That's one story. Let me share another story. I'll just read an email I recently received from a couple in our church. When Carrie was 28 weeks pregnant, we found out that Eliana wasn't growing as she should in the womb. She was in the third percentile of growth, had low fluid, and one of her umbilical arteries was not flowing well and not feeding the baby like it should. Carrie was placed on bed rest and instructed to call in the troops to keep in the baby as long as we could. Our small group and some other friends in the church really stepped up and helped us in so many ways. It was amazing to see how the Lord provided for every need. We got sent to a specialist in Denver and were told that there was nothing Carrie could do to help the baby grow. We were told it was irreversible and the baby would likely be born premature. We spent the next two weeks on our knees in prayer and decided to sign up for soaking prayer. Soaking prayer was the day before our second meeting with the specialist in Denver. We are still amazed that four people would take time out of their days and pray for us for an hour. But that's what happened. The next day, we went to the specialist, and Eliana had increased to the 23rd percentile of growth. Her fluid had increased to normal, and her second umbilical artery was fully functional. Eliana was born on September 20th, Carrie's exact due date. She was born at 7 pounds, 10 ounces, measured 19.5 inches long. She is healthy and thriving. Amen. (laughs) God. And then he writes, we have never been thirsty for the spirit like we were during this time in our lives. And it makes us want to experience more of him. It was so amazing to watch the Lord answer a very specific prayer. I could share many more stories like that from within our church family. God does heal today. He wants us to pray expectantly and frequently for the sick. And he wants us to trust him regardless of the outcome of our prayers. He wants us to trust him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a God of love and a God of power. Both those things are absolutely true. You are a God who heals and you are a God who loves And we thank you for that. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and do that here. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna take a couple minutes and um, and apply what we've been working on. This is all of our campuses here. We're gonna be doing this together. Take a couple minutes and pray for healing for people. And so I want all of us to stand at all of our campuses, if you would, if you'd all stand. If we can get the house lights up at these campuses. Okay, and here, here's the way this is going to work. I'm going to ask, in just a moment, I'm going to ask anyone who is 
sick or who is battling some disease or just wrestling with some condition or maybe you're experiencing pain, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to sit down right where you are, okay? We're not going to embarrass you. You're not going to have to stand up and, and say what, you struggle, what you're struggling with or whatever. We're, we're just going to ask you to sit down. You won't even have to tell the people around you what it is you're receiving prayer for. Um, and so, and what we're going to do then, after everyone that wants to receive prayer like that is seated, the rest of us are going to practice what we're talking about here. And again, I'm not going to, don't freak out, don't freak out, okay? Well, what we're going to do, we're just going to make sure every person who's seated has a group of people around them. And we, this is scriptural, we often lay our hands on, on people when we pray. And so I'm going to ask you to gather around the folks who are seated and just lay your hands on them. And then what we're going to do is you can pray quietly, you can pray out loud. I'm going to kind of lead a prayer over us, just a prayer for healing for these people. And then we can all just kind of agree together to touch these people. And again, I, I just, I want to remind us something I was talking about earlier. I want to remind us that Let me just, some of us here, we have had some condition that we just kind of accepted as part of our life for the rest of our lives. It may be back pain. It may be, again, acid reflux or migraines or whatever. And let me just ask you, what if I told you that in the next 10 minutes, that could be gone? Not saying it will be, but what if there is a possibility that in the next few minutes, God would heal that and remove that? Why would we not want to receive prayer for that? Why would we not? So I just want to leave us with that thought before we enter into this time. And so I'm going to pray for just a moment and then I'm going to have us sit down, those who would like to receive prayer. So Lord, you know our hearts and and our fears and our pride and all that. And God, I just pray you would move in our hearts, stirring up faith and a humility for those here who you would like to receive prayer for healing. I pray, Lord, that we would have the courage to sit down and to humble ourselves and say, yeah, I am open, Father, to whatever you have for me, and I'm willing to admit I have a need. Okay, so let's do that right now. If if that's you, you'd like to receive prayer, just sit down where you are. Just sit on where you are. Okay, everyone seated that uh, um, needs to be, wants to be. All right, now here's what we're going to do. The rest of us, we this is the fun part, we get to surround these folks, okay? So I just want to make sure everyone in this place and at our other campuses, that everyone that's seated is surrounded with people. So go ahead and move if you need to move. If you need to move, just gather around. Those of you who are gathered around these folks, thank you for your willingness to do that. Here's what I want to do. I just want to pray that in our hearts, as we're going to pray in just a moment for them, but I want our hearts to be filled right now with faith that God is powerful and he's loving, that he is able to heal 
and that he loves these people way more than we could ever imagine. And we can trust his purposes. Okay, so let's just get our hearts in that place. God, we believe you are powerful. We believe you do heal. And we also believe that you're loving. And so we are entrusting these people to you and the results are in your hands. But we're going to ask, we're going to ask because of who you are. All right, so let's begin praying. You can pray quietly, you can pray out loud, and I'm gonna pray as well. I'm just gonna pray over you. And let's just take a couple minutes here and we're, just, we're praying for God to heal these folks, okay? Just begin praying, quietly or out loud. Lord, we lift up these people to you. We lift up these people to you. We thank you for their humility, their willingness to say, I, I want to receive prayer. I'm tired of this thing that I'm wrestling with in my body and, I, and, and, and I'm, I'm willing to ask for prayer. And I just, I thank you for their willingness, their humility and their faith to sit and receive. And I thank you for the body of Christ that we can gather around these folks and let them know, hey, we are with you in this and we are lifting you up and we are praying for you. And so now we do that. We pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we pray you would fill these people. You would touch them. We bring every cell in their body under your authority. You are creator. We bring every cell under your authority and we pray for healing, God. We pray for healing for blood disorders. Lord, you would heal them in the name of Jesus. We pray for back pain to be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, you would align spines the way they were intended to to, to, to function, full functioning, a release from pain. We pray for, Lord, healing for shoulder pain and, and any joint pain and for migraines. Lord, those who suffer migraines and headaches, we pray for healing now in the name of Jesus. You would heal them acid reflux and other digestive struggles. We pray for healing, Lord. We pray for healing for diabetes. We pray for healing for cancer, Lord Jesus. And any other disease that that people are battling with, and any other condition people are battling with, Lord, kidney issues, we lift these up to you. And we are praying, we pray for healing. We are agreeing together. We are gathered around these folks, and we are praying for them that you would heal them. Holy Spirit, come now. Fill them up. Fill them with your power. Fill them with your power and your protection. We claim the blood of Jesus over them. And if the enemy is at work in any way here, we cancel the assignment of the enemy over them. And we pray, we pray for healing. We pray for your power. And now what I want us to do, I want us to, we're gonna pray for, their, for them to experience love. So Lord, we pray right now for your love to be poured out. No matter how things how, how you answer prayers or not, yes or no, or wait, or whatever you're, you're answering prayers right now, we pray you would pour out your love upon these people and they would know, they would know that you love them and you are with them. Lord, we pray that their faith would be strong in you, whether you heal or not, they would continue to trust you and look to you and we just lift them up and we pray for healing and we pray for love upon them, God. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. You have heard our prayers and we're so thankful. Thank you for the privilege of of praying with these people and for these people. 
And we entrust them to you now. We entrust them to you. In Jesus' name. All right, why don't we all stand again? Let's all stand. And I'm gonna gonna pray. We're gonna turn it over to the worship teams. Just get back to your seat. And I wanna pray for us. And I want to encourage you, I'm going to say this now, I want to encourage you at the end of your, at the end of the service to introduce yourself to the person you prayed for. If you don't know them, introduce yourself and just let them know that you're going to continue to pray for them. And if they're comfortable sharing, they can tell you a little more about what's going on, but make that connection to the end of the, end of the service. So Father, we, we praise you and we ask you to continue to pour out your presence here. God, maybe you would, and you've done this before, <laughs> you would just heal someone as they're, as they're standing in this worship center, worshiping you. That's happened. And so we pray, Lord, we don't want you to be done. <laughs> so maybe there are people here, maybe they didn't sit down for whatever reason, but you're wanting to heal. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We wait on you, Holy Spirit, to come, to stir our faith. We love you. We worship you, God. We welcome you. Set us free as we just worship you for the next several minutes here. We, we want to respond. We want to open our hearts to you because we love you so much. We love you, God. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for the kind of God you are. You are powerful and, and you are loving and we praise you, God.